Good afternoon and welcome to the first part of our InnerGuard podcast on questions thrown up by the platform economy. InnerGuard is an alliance of employment law firms across Europe, China and Australia. I'm Meryl April, a partner in CM Murray in London, UK, and I'm joined today by Maria Jose Sanchez Garcia of Augusta Abogadas in Madrid and Barcelona in Spain, and Carl Frederick Hedenstrom of Morris Law in Stockholm, Sweden. In part one, we talk about the status of platform workers, including the new Spanish regulation coming into force this summer, Uber in the Supreme Court in the UK, and the different approach taken in Sweden to these issues. And we noticed that when we started talking about it, that it's very different in our respective jurisdictions and the divergent approaches that different countries have taken to these issues. One of the things that prompted this particular podcast was a new regulation that is being introduced in Spain to modify the Spanish Employment Act, and which, as I understand, has two aspects, one relating to employment status and the other to worker rights. Maria Jose, could you just give a brief outline of what that regulation is about and what's going to happen, assuming it comes into force? Thanks, Mary. It's a pleasure to be here. Exactly. In Spain, we have a new regulation that will enter into force next 12 hours. It's the Royal Decree Law 9-2021. Currently, the Royal Decree is in the process to be converted into law, so amendments might be introduced. The new regulation has been agreed between the government's main trade unions and employers' organization. As you mentioned, the new regulation modifies the Spanish Employment Act in two aspects. First one is limited to digital platforms of delivery, such as Globo or Deliveroo. It has been established a legal presumption of the existence of an employment relationship between the couriers and the delivery companies provided that the following requirements are met. The existence of remunerated services in which the activity is the delivery or distribution of product, any product, consumer or merchandise products, and that the individual provides the service subject to the company's faculties of direction, organization, and control in a direct, indirect, or implicit manner by means of the algorithmic management of the service or the working conditions through a digital platform. The second, uh, the second part of the new regulation applies to any company in all sectors and refers to a new information right of the Workers' Committee. It has been established that the Workers' Committee has the right to be informed by the company about the parameters, rules, and instructions on which algorithms, algorithms or artificial intelligence systems are based that affect decision-making that can decide on working conditions, access to, and maintenance of employment, including profiling. This is our new regulation in Spain that will see the, the light in August. Thank you. And focusing just a bit more on the first part of that, the, the presumption of employment for certain delivery platform workers, how do you see that being implemented in Spain and 
What's been the reaction from unions and workers and companies? Well, first of all, it should be clarified that uh, regarding the relationship discussion of the contract between couriers and uh, delivery companies, the new regulation only applies to digital platforms of delivery, not to any digital platform company. This is an important remark to make. Mm -hmm. In any case, in our employment act, there is a general presumption of uh, the existence of dependent employment relationship if an individual provides remunerated services inserted in the organization of the company with lack of autonomy. So, in our jurisdiction, self-employed statute is the exception to the rule. Focusing on digital platform of delivery, it is important to recall that the new uh, law follows a huge number of lawsuits between the couriers or social security labor inspectors authorities in Spain against companies such as Globo or Delivero. And that the Supreme Court uh, ruled an important court ruling last September 2020, considering that the couriers of such companies are employees, not self-employed. That court ruling uh, relates uh, to Globo, but there are also other rulings related to delivery. Notwithstanding the above, that court ruling are based on the facts concurrent at that time. So if working conditions or the means of management of the activity uh, varies, the debate can be started again. So in my opinion, the real regulation is not a final solution. The debate is still open. Indeed, uh, the different players are not uh, satisfied with the new regulation, nor the delivery companies, nor the trade unions, but not the couriers themselves. Trade unions, in general terms, consider that the new regulation is not strong enough. And they argue why it has been limited to digital platforms of delivery. Some couriers prefer to remain self-employed and they also organize demonstration against the law and against the government. And obviously, delivery companies consider that the new regulation is an attack to the freedom of enterprise that will cause dismissal and more unemployment. As I see in the perspective of delivery companies, as the law established a vacatio legis of three months, because it's a law of last uh, May that enters into force the next August, I consider that uh, delivery companies are studying or maybe they are trying to change the method of organizing and controlling the curious activity. As I said before, core rulings are, con are construed under certain facts in order to determine that the relationship has an employment nature. Those facts, mainly regarding global and delivery, are that uh, it has been considered that such companies are not a, a mere intermediary in the contracting of services between the shop and the couriers, but coordinates and organize the service. They provide 
delivery service and couriers, setting the price and payment terms, and all the essential conditions of the service. The companies own the, the essential access of the business. Besides, the couriers do not have their own and autonomous business organization. And maybe the most important part, companies have established instructions and means of controlling how the service is provided, not, not just the result. The control is mainly done through the algorithmic management of the service, the evaluation of the couriers and geolocation. A computer program is used to assign the service basis on the evaluation of the courier. The companies exercise the power to sanction the courier in case of misbehavior, and they carry out a real time control. Consequently, if they change, for instance, the algorithmic management, and the way they control the courier's activity, they will still try to justify that. Beyond the, no, beyond the new law, the couriers are regular self-employed workers. Maybe they try to defend that the couriers might be economically dependent autonomous workers, commonly known as TRADE. Um, that is a specific type of freelance relationship in Spain that was incorporated in 2007 that in general there uh, refers to an individual that uh, has a main client to whom he or she receives at least the 75% of his or her income and consequently has more protection than a normal freelancer. But they are not, Etrade is not an employee. So Etrade is not under the umbrella or the protection of a collective bargaining agreement that, for instance, establishes a minimum salary that a company has to pay. They are not under the umbrella of the Spanish Employment Act. And companies doesn't contribute for, for them to the social security authorities. Atrade is an autonomous employee, so is the individual who has to pay and, uh, and is in charge of social security contributions, not the company. Another possibility is that uh, the platform companies uh, of delivery may change its business uh, model, and maybe they tend to change to an outsourcing model in order to uh, hire the delivery and distribution of uh, the products through temporary agencies or even through companies incorporated by the carriers themselves, such as a cooperative society that is a type of company in which the owners also work for the company. So let's see which is the next uh, move of these companies and also trade unions and also couriers. But uh, what for, for me is clear is that all the litigation that we have seen in, in those years is not going to be ended by this uh, new regulation that, that entered into force next August. Let's see. Yes, indeed. Uh, I think it makes me think, thank goodness that I'm not a legislator. It seems like nobody's happy. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting what you say that the um, especially what you were saying about having the one customer and then you've got a specific uh, type of autonomous sort of worker uh, and you can see how that could be a solution in a delivery context. But in in the UK, uh, the debate has more largely been taken up by Uber and the taxi uh, companies. And obviously there, they they definitely have many, many customers, certainly not one customer that's providing 75%. So what we have historically had in the UK are three categories, Um, although possibly four, actually, um, in terms of uh, someone who's fully employed where tax and social security are deducted at source. Generally, apart from where there's a qualifying period, they have full employment rights, um, rights to sick pay, rights to holiday pay, protection from dismissal, protection in relation to discrimination and whistleblowing. Um, And then at the other end of the scale, you have businesses in business on their own account, either maybe just one person or a few people and then this large sort of gray area, as it were, of workers in the middle. And uh, I think what might be similar to your autonomous employee, there are certainly in the film industry and that sort of area, a number of people who for tax purposes have tax deducted at source, um, but are otherwise known as freelance or sort of independent contractors. But they do at least have some employment rights, holiday pay and protection. And then layered on top of that, there is the gig economy where companies like Uber were trying to say these people were genuinely self-employed. And they had a bizarre, what seems bizarre to me anyway, construct where they said um, that the driver is a customer of Uber uh, working for the passenger. Uh, And we're a digital company. We're not a taxi company. Uh, so Uber ran this argument um, over five years. So they, they lost at every point. They lost at the Employment Tribunal, uh, Employment Appeal Tribunal, Court of Appeal, and now finally in the Supreme Court. And again, there's a lot of synergy with what you were saying, Mary Jose, about the delivery companies, because they really focused in on what is the relationship in reality. Uh, And the judge said, you know, we're not interested really in armies of lawyers creating clever contracts that suggest a different reality, such as the driver is a customer (laughs) working for the passenger. And they honed in on control. And they said, um, well, drivers um, are not able to set the fare. Uh, They have no right of control when Uber decides to generate a refund. Um, They control which... um, rides the driver can accept or decline so they don't tell the driver what the end destination is so the driver can't decide to you know refuse a ride because they don't like where they're being told to go Uh, so they had a lot of control over the delivery of the services and uh, they had a lot of control over payment Um, and they restricted communication between the driver and the passenger So they obviously couldn't build up a relationship and um, free themselves from Uber and, you know, start working for the passenger directly. Um, And as a result of that, Uber have had to recognise those kind of um, those drivers as workers, which does at least give them certain rights to minimum wage, um, statutory sick pay, holiday pay, um, protection from discrimination, whistleblowing. 
but they still haven't implemented the judgment fully. Um, the judge said you should be paying the drivers from the moment they switch on their app looking for a ride. Uh, but in fact, as I understand it, Uber are only paying them once they pick up a passenger. So similar to Spain, I think there's still going to be more litigation. And, and uh, you know, uh, this is interesting in terms of the contrast with the delivery drivers, where um, we have a decision in relation to Deliveroo. And also, sorry, I should have said Uber have said that the decision which they're now bound by because of the Supreme Court ruling in relation to the taxes they're not going to apply that to their delivery Uber Eats, which uh, is interesting. And, and there has been a decision in relation to Deliveroo in front of our Central Arbitration Committee, which is not the ordinary courts. It's the body that deals with trade union recognition. So Deliveroo drivers and their union wanted to get um, union recognition for collective bargaining purposes. But as a preliminary issue, they had to establish that they were workers and not genuinely self-employed. Uh, but the CAC decided that because the delivery riders had an absolute right of substitution, they could ask a friend, a brother, a grandma <laughs> to uh, take the ride. Um, then they were not um, workers, they were self-employed. So we've got a distinction at the moment going on between the taxi companies and the delivery companies. Um, and really, this has all been brought into sharp focus by the coronavirus because our government provided protection for that first category I was talking about of the employees. Uh, and it was a pretty generous scheme, a furlough scheme, 80% of pay up to £2,500, whereas the self-employed income scheme was way less generous and well, more conditions applied to it, so people found it difficult to qualify. And in particular, the gig workers just fell between the two. They weren't covered as employees. They weren't covered under the self-employed scheme. So many, many Uber drivers and others have just had no income and no work throughout the whole pandemic, which I think has kind of brought it into, into sharp focus. But um, Paul Frederick, as, as we've sort of discussed, both, both the UK uh, recently and Spain towards the end of last year, I think have, their Supreme Court has made significant rulings uh, and also there's this new regulation. But uh, what, what's the position in Sweden? Is there something similar going on or is it completely different? Well, I, I would say that the end result would probably be pretty similar, but we haven't gone through the courts yet, really. Uh, this has been a really, really big issue for the Swedish trade unions. Just to give a bit of a backdrop, first of all, under Swedish law, there are only two, two forms. You're either employed or you're not. So there's no sort of middle, middle ground there. And that makes it a bit easier than to sort of decide if you're employed or if you're not. And, uh, and the Swedish model is more or less based on our old sort of tradition of being a export-driven, big company, big employer sort of country, which means that collective bargaining is extremely important. And uh, about, at least among blue-collar workers, some 80 to 90 percent of the workforce are still covered by collective bargaining agreements. That also means that uh, the government has been able to sort of get away with not having to make these tough decisions that you were talking about previously, both in Spain and in the UK, because this has been left to the parties at the labor market to sort of sort out. Uh, there's been a big discussion about other things recently that has nothing to do with the gig economy, but if we could sort of go to far to sort of go into that. 
But anyway, the, the, the newest sort of development in Sweden is that actually the, the platform companies have, to an increasing extent, uh, agreed to sign on to collective agreements. And that also means that they actually then accept that the people that work for them are employees, which means that you will get sort of covered by the minimum wages and all the benefits there are in the collective agreements, uh, since those are not legislated in Sweden. Uh, Sweden has a couple of key employment rights contained in legislation such as unfair dismissal, discrimination, right to vacation and so on and so forth. When it comes to the benefits that you, that you get from working, that's all in the collective agreements. But for instance, Fodora, which is a German-owned food delivery company, they just signed on to a collective agreement with the Swedish Teamsters Union or a transport union which also means then that when you work, even if you don't deliver food, you will still get a minimum hourly salary uh, while you're on the job. That doesn't mean that you get paid 40 hours a week because they usually have this, what we call interim employments, which means that you are employed for maybe a week or a day or whatever. And whenever you're done with your job, uh, then a new employment will start when you have a new job. So so there's a, there's, there is some some problems therefore for these sort of employees as well uh, from a Swedish standpoint. So I think that's the biggest development in Sweden that the companies, uh, there's no dis- distinction here between like the taxi companies and the delivery companies, they're, they're all seen as the same. I think that the general concept is that we should view them as any other company that are, are hiring out workers to, to others like manpower. It's, it's the same concept. And by putting them under the collective agreements, the employees will be protected uh, just like any other employee in the Swedish labour market. It's, it's really interesting. It makes me wonder how many UK employees nowadays are covered by collective bargaining agreements, a, a much, much smaller percentage, I think. Yeah. Well, when you look at white colour, of course, it's less. It's probably around 60 or 70 percent in Sweden. But but most of these platform workers are actually blue colour, uh, if you look at the distinction distinction between those. so And, and that means that the unions are very, very active. And, and I just read a report by one of the big white colour trade unions, and they are very sort of, they, they push the line that they, these companies should sign collective agreements and uh, all their employees should be really viewed as employees and not self-employed. Well, that's very interesting. In, in Spain, if you are an employee, you are covered by a collective bargaining agreement that can be a company's bargaining agreement or can be a, company, a collective bargaining agreement of a certain industry, but all employees, except top management employees, are protected by a collective bargaining agreement that establish conditions uh, over the minimum one established by by the Spanish Employment Act. Regarding the economy and, and uh, specifically of delivery platform companies, it is important to, to understand that they do have employees, human resources, employees, finance department, uh, uh, IT, they, they have employees. The problem is mainly uh, with the blue-collar workers mm. that are the couriers. Mm. So blue-collar workers that in the, the platform delivery companies is a courier, it's not protected by the employment law or the collective bargaining agreement because they are treated as uh, self-employed. Mm. 
and the other other individuals of, of the company that that belongs to the structure of the activity finance marketing whatever they they are uh, treated and hired as employees and covered by all the spanish employment uh, regulation yeah uh, that's, that's a different way of seeing it but uh, so that's also interesting i think the, the way it works in sweden is that uh, you only have, you're only bound by a collective agreement if the company has signed on to the agreement or if the, the company is a member of the employer federation. So, so there are a lot of companies in Sweden that do not have collective agreements and that means that their employees are not covered by it. But, but the thing here is that what you can do in Sweden is that you can actually employ people on temporary employments for very short periods of time up to two years in any five-year period, which means that you have to sort of put together all these short assignments to see if you eventually get a permanent employment. Uh, and, and that is sort of the, the, the sort of hinge here that these companies have been able to use this short-term employment, which means that you only employ them for a couple of hours, and then you're not. And then you're employed for a couple of hours again, and then you're not. So, so that, I think, is one of the big questions. How do we how do these employees become permanent employees and therefore then covered by the different protections in the Labour Protection Act and the collective agreements? So that, that is probably the, the big issue in Sweden then. It, it sounds like we could have a whole podcast yeah. with different structures, yeah. really, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> no, that. that concludes the first part of our podcast. Please listen out for part two, where we continue our discussion on the topics of AI and algorithmic management, taxation and social security as they relate to platform workers in particular. Mm -hmm.